Bless the Lord. Man, I tell you what, listen. If if you don't you don't uh feel something inside you right now, man, we, we might have to we might have to invite them back up until you feel something. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. This is the season of surrender. We surrender our hearts to prepare for the greatest act of, of love that the world has ever known. Not Christmas. There was no death, no resurrection. It's all be for nothing. So we surrender to our Lord leading up to this, please. Glory. Well, listen, uh, I get the privilege. My name is Kevin Farmer, by the way. Uh, I get the privilege of, of doing a little bit of an introduction here. And, um, you know, there's times when you uh, might be called to introduce someone and uh, you don't really know that person, right? You know, you got to kind of go through a little bio, kind of read the story. And as you're reading it, you're like, wow, okay, I didn't even know that. That's impressive. That person has done all that incredible work. Uh, well, today is a little bit different because uh, I get to introduce uh, a friend, a brother in the ministry. And um, as we were thinking about, like, what, what can we say? Like, what can we say to, to tee him up well for you? Um, I got, like, schooled because there's actually a video that's going to do it for me. Like, I ain't even got to... So we're going to set that video up <laughs> so that you can hear. But what I will tell you is this. Um, I got a chance to... Uh, I've known Pastor John for... Um, for several years now. Um, but the first deep encounter I had with this brother uh, was when uh, myself, along with um, Lisa Casa de Cavo, who is a, a dear friend and a sister and a co-worker of mine uh, at Hope Academy, and our other sister, Paulita Todd Hunter, who is the director of diversity at Minnehaha Academy, uh, we coordinated a, a Sankofa trip for high school students. It was a joint venture between Hope Academy and Minnehaha Academy. And it was one of the first times that this type of excursion happened for high school students. And we got on a bus and drove down 18 hours down, down to the southern parts of the United States to learn about the historic, painful, and joyful attributes of our of our our country. And I reached out to, to John and said, hey, John, we've only met a couple of times, man, uh, but we're coming down there and we would love to connect with you. We also going to need a place to stay. And I heard of a thing called Southern Hospitality. And this brother uh, went to bat for us, man. He, he worked out some incredible things for us, and we felt, we felt the love. We felt the love. And from that point on, man, we have been um, connected in ministry. John is the founding pastor of Common Grounds Covenant Church in Jackson, Mississippi, a beautiful, beautiful place with a lot of challenges, but the beauty of the Lord is all over that place. 
There's more that you're going to hear about him in this video. Um, so take a quick listen, and I'll come back up to finish some things. My name is John Perkins. I am the lead pastor of Common Ground Covenant Church, which is a church plant right here in Jackson, Mississippi. When most people think about West Jackson, they talk about the negative. They think about the the crime rates and the and the failing schools and and the things like that. But uh, this is my home. Uh, this is where I'm from. I'm an indigenous leader, and this is where I stand, and this is where, I'm, where we're going to stay through our work in regards to planting our church in a community of need uh, like ours on this side of the tracks. We have encountered uh, poverty at a level that is alarming, but at the same time, uh, me, myself, living on this side of the tracks, we have uh, tried to make the needs of the community our very own. All I really want to do is be about the work of seeing real change happen through the local church. Hey, we're out here at Claiborne Park for the Taste of West Jackson. I'm Pastor John Perkins, Common Ground. Listen, it's gonna be an exciting time. The music has started, the food is being prepped. Y'all gotta come out, don't miss it. We're meeting Jesus every day and engaging with Jesus every day as as I meet different people and as I, as I uh, engage with um, uh, who some say are the homeless, but I call them, I call them my friends. A little over 40% of our congregation uh, lives um, on $15,000 or less. So they're in, the, in that poverty line. And uh, community development is our philosophy, but there's a, a new generation. And then the fact that we see the changes and the shifts towards sustainability. So we have three enterprises that we are working on and developing. Uh, number one is our barbershop and beauty salon. And number two is our lawn care service. And number three is coming around catering. Uh, we are all just engaging with what is it that we can do and what is it that we can do together. So for some, it's been uh, guys who have had Fs on their record, which we call felonies. Um, who are turning citizens and, and um, they don't get, you know, opportunities that often to do things. And so for us, we're saying, let's, let's create our own work and uh, well, let's build on that. And, uh, and so and since doing so, uh, it's been building and steady building and the Lord has been steady blessing us in that regard. So we're excited, really excited about what God is doing in the life of our social enterprise and through common ground enterprises. This work is hard. It is, you know, and with church planting, doing community development, thinking about, you know, biblical justice work is hard, but what inspires me to do it is the fact that it's bigger than me. It's not a chore. It's something that I feel so worthy of a task to do that I'm, I'm glad to just be involved in the process. And we understand that the problem is big, the problem is massive, but we can start somewhere. Told y'all that was better than what I could say. This brother is a living legacy. His grandfather you may know of, Dr. John Perkins, 
the founder of the Christian Community Development Association, CCDA. And this brother is living uh, that legacy. The love that he has in his heart for the church uh, and for those who um, are still being beckoned into the church is undeniable. He just co-authored a new book with his partner over here, uh, Brother Anthony Bobo, Commissioned to Love. You'll get a chance to, to buy that book right after service. Um, it, listen, it, it only costs $15. I thought it was like $35. No, it's only $15. It's only $15. That's the special in-house rate. That's the special. So we are grateful for our brother. I'm so glad that Pastor Edrin and Pastor Luke uh, joined an agreement that this was a no-brainer. We need to come together, um, have a celebration, and this brother's in town. Let him come in and bring that word. So would you welcome our good friend, our good friend, and our brother from Jackson, Mississippi, Pastor John Perkins. Thank you. Thank you all. I am so delighted to be here at the great sanctuary, Covenant Church. Um, we really, be honest with you, pattern ourselves after sanctuary. And um, Brother Kevin being on staff here at the beginning of, uh, of sanctuary being planted here. And um, this church is really legendary and in what you all are doing, um, we commend you and uh, encourage you uh, to continue uh, forward. And I am just truly delighted. So uh, Pastor Edrin and, and uh, Pastor Kevin and, and Pastor Luke, Pastor Luke's a great friend of mine. I mean, I mean, and then Pastor Kevin, great brother of mine, and I hope to get to know uh, Pastor Edrin um, in these next coming days and years. And then I got a brother and a, and a family member right here, um, Lumber, <laughs> Lundy. And then um, where is my brother? Where's Koch? Koch, you in the room? Koch and Molly, where am I? that's family right there. There they are. That's family right there. See, he didn't even he didn't even do it. See, he didn't want to be recognized. You see how they do me. You see it, don't you? Well, look. See, they um, they took me in the back. They said, "Yeah, hey, hey, we want you to we want you to come preach," and then they said, "You're gonna have 20 minutes." I said, "What?" I said, that's a sermonette. That ain't pre. Yeah. But they said, sermons like good sausage. You can cut it off at any point and you get the same thing, right? <laughs> so hopefully, we can do something tonight. Now, yeah, that's right. Help, help me, help me, help me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Now, I, I went back and I heard Pastor Edrin 
um, a little while ago, and he said, I know y'all don't like to talk back to me and all of that. So, you know, listen, 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 listen. This can go a lot better. This can go a lot better. If these 20 minutes, look, 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 only for 20 minutes, you can, you can talk back to me. You can say something to me. Look, Ryan, I know y'all looking at me and you saying, can this brother preach? And I'm looking at y'all and saying, can they say amen? So we doing this dance. We doing this dance. Now, and I'm, I'm really doing this really because I'm, 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 I'm afraid right now. Because two nights ago, as you, you know, you're tossing and turning, you're trying to think, what did you preach? What do you, what do you have that you're going to share? And two nights ago, the Lord gave me a word. But then the word that he gave me to share, I said, that's going to be too much like taking away their ice cream. I don't want to take your ice cream. I don't want to do that. So anyway, so I hopefully, hopefully you'll bear with me. And at the end, maybe you'll flow with me and, and, and maybe you'll know that I'm going to give you back your ice cream. Y'all with me? Yeah, there you go. This, this, you, you, you got it. You got it. It's, it's easy. I'm helping you, Pastor Adrian. I'm helping you a little bit. So look. So look here. If you have your Bibles, see there? If you have your Bibles, if you'd open them with me to the book. <laughs> y'all, y'all are a little scared. I'm a little scared to t- I'm a little scared to tell you, too. Um, <laughs> um, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. And if I was at home, if I was at home and if I was preaching, I would tell you I'm going to take a subject. And that subject would be, is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there a bomb in Gilead? And if you could please stand with me as I read the word. I'm going to only read three verses for you so you won't be standing long, okay? And y'all, y'all told me I only got 20 minutes, so I got to work quickly. I'm going to read the first three verses, and it says here, At that time, declares the Lord, the bones of the kings and the officials of Judah, the bones of the priests and the prophets and the bones of the people of Jerusalem will be removed from their graves. They will be exposed to the sun and the moon and all the stars of the heaven, which they have loved and served, for which they have followed and consulted and worshipped. They will not be gathered up or buried. They will be like dung 
lying on the ground. I don't have to tell y'all what that is. Whenever I banish them, all the survivors of this evil nation will prefer death to life, declares the Lord Almighty. Sin and punishment. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father in heaven, I thank you and praise you so much for this day and this time. I praise you, Lord, for this Ash Wednesday. I pray, Lord, that you stand in my body and that you speak a word to this, uh, your people today, your church, your three churches here today in your church universal. I pray, Lord, that you would, you would use me, your vessel. I pray, Lord, that I would decrease and that you would increase and that your glory would continue to fill this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is there a bomb in Gilead? Before Jeremiah asked that question, he had to write the words that you see here in the first 21 verses. And don't think that Jeremiah wanted to write these verses. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to tell somebody something that you did not want to tell them, but if you didn't tell them, this would be lying on your conscience forever. And if you did not tell them, you knew that you would not be telling them the truth and you would not be doing them the best service that you could do and you knew you would not be loving them. If you did not tell them, you knew that you would not have their best interest at heart. And yet, you knew that if they told you there is a chance, there's a great possibility that they would not want to hear it and that they would reject it. This is Jeremiah, the reluctant prophet. I just explained to you the book of Jeremiah in layman's terms for those who are not biblical scholars. Jeremiah gives three great warnings, words of chastisement. And if you flow with me, I'll give them to you real quickly. I'll give you the outline real quickly of chapter 8. Real quick, real quick. If you have a pen, you can write it down. Mm-hmm. 
I just can't get this thought of verse 22 out of my mind. Is there a balm in Gilead? But we'll get there in a second. We ain't got there yet. But the first thought that he has there is verse 4 through 7. Verses 4 through 7 is the thought of the idea of Israel's stubbornness. Some of you know that I'm not necessarily talking about Israel's stubbornness right now. But I'm talking about my stubbornness. And I'm, I'm blaming me so I can talk about you next. <laughs> Is that all right? I'm talking about the church's stubbornness. I'm talking about our refusal to adhere to the word of God. Our refusal, our stubbornness, our ability to sing the songs. But as we go out and we walk out of the door, we go out and we live shabby lives. Stubborn. Eight through twelve lives lives of deception. A corrupt people. Why did you say there is no sick among you? And when I come in, the people are sick and they're dying right before my eyes. Oh, it's right there in the text. Now, you and I both know, you and I both, come on, Pastor Ezra, and you and I both know we dine on the vine even in the church. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to have problems in the church. I'm telling you that the church is supposed to be a hospital where healing is supposed to take place. We're not supposed to be the ones who are deceiving people and saying there's no sick among us. We're supposed to say, yes, there are sick among us. And if you are sick, come to this place because there's healing here in this place. <laughs> 13 through 21 says disobedience. That leads to judgment. Judgment that says 
there will be no grapes left on the vine. No fig left on the tree. Don't think that you are the only one that will escape. Don't think that you can just go around and just think that you can just just coast and live life. And I'm living my best life. God knows what's in us. He knows what's in the human heart. Jeremiah said, is there a bond? Is there a bond in Gilead? Why is there no healing for my people? Why don't they get it? Why don't they understand? Why won't we adhere to the word of the Lord? Is there a bomb? It's still February. And in case you didn't see, I'm a black man. Fact check. <laughs> Fact check. Unashamed, undeniably black. That don't mean I'm against nobody else. I just told you Molly and Andrew, they my family. Lumberg, that's my family. I ain't against nobody. But I'm Let me keep going. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. They're going to tell me to sit down and say, <laughs> y'all ain't going to invite me back. <laughs> I want to get invited back. Look. <laughs> look, okay, look. It's Black History Month. And there is a song we sing. It's called There is a bomb in Gilead. <laughs> you didn't get it. I'm preaching today. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen right now. Look. <laughs> the slaves said there is a bomb in Gilead, before your seminaries and, 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 and <laughs> before your exegetical, you know, all the, you know, anyway, anyway, don't, don't let me get on all of that. But look, they said, they answered the question Jeremiah was asking. 
and said, there is a bomb in Gilead. <laughs> and the very thought is, there's three things here and I'll, I'll take my seat. The bomb tree is, the bomb tree comes from a long distance. Comes from a long distance. You and I both know now we're not just talking about a tree. But the idea is that the bomb tree did not grow in Palestine. The bomb tree, people would, they would, they would fight. Wars were fought over the bomb tree. For the bomb tree had healing in its, in its midst. And it came from a long way off. The very thought and the idea is that our Jesus didn't think that being equal to God, something to hold on to or something to grasp, but he came from a long distance. So he came down into human flesh to be one of us. To dwell as one of us, and Mark puts it like this. He says, I came to serve and not to be served and to give my life as a ransom for many. The very thought is, not everybody all those who believe. He wants it to be everybody. But all those who believe. He came from a long distance. And I love the way John puts it, John the Revelator. He says he came down from heaven full of grace. And truth. The bomb tree is a, number two, is an unattractive tree. Unattractive. You would, you would look at this tree and, and if you didn't know what you were looking at, you would just pass by. The bomb tree is a, would be considered an ugly tree. In its early stages, it would be a brush tree. I love the way Isaiah put it. He said, he had no form of comeliness. That when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Let me ask you a question today. Is the church as attractive as it should be? 
Are you as attractive as a Christian as you should be with Jesus in your heart? I'm just asking a question today. I told you I'm going to try to give you your ice cream back. There's an old Indian story. We know that uh, um, the, uh, have y'all ever heard the story behind I have decided to follow Jesus? The, uh, the very thought of uh, this happened a, a few hundred years ago and the fact that there the Indian, Buddhist, and um, were the, the Christians were being persecuted, and and they when they made decisions for Christ, they knew that their lives were on the line. And the song was written to make a decision within one's heart that if I'm going to go the way of Christ, I have to stay firm in that decision. You know the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Well, the man that wrote that, that little chorus, he's, his life was called upon him very early on in his decision to follow Jesus. And very soon after he had written that course. I tell you that story because it's a powerful, powerful story and a powerful witness. It was taken down and it was accounted for. The, the story of there is a bomb in Gilead was not accounted for. The thought is it was sung years and years and years before it was written down. We don't know who wrote it. We don't know who wrote it or where it came from, the faith that it took to write a song that. 
last but not least, there's healing in the tree. There's healing in the tree. But here's the kicker. You cannot get healing from that tree unless it is pierced or it is cut. Some of y'all know I ain't talking about a tree no more. Is there a balm in Gilead? There is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. Because we know that he was pierced in his side. He was wounded for our transgressions. For we know he suffered, he bled, and he died. Do you know my Jesus? Do you know him? He was born in Bethlehem, reared in Nazareth, the man of Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles. Do you know my Jesus? The one that they hung on the cross. The one whose blood was atoned, atoned for your sins and mine. Back home, we sing a song. We sing a song, and it's so precious. It's so precious to me. It says, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. Because he died for me. Because one day when I was lost, he hung there on a cross. I know it was the blood for me. Amen. Amen.